The following pre-recorded program is paid for by SSI Guardian. Welcome to Living Well with Dr. Peg. With your host, psychologist Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, Living Well with Dr. Peg explores a variety of mental health, wellness, and safety topics. Brought to you by SSI Guardian, Living Well with Dr. Peg shares effective and practical psychological strategies based on biblical principles for living well. To learn more about the show or Dr. Peg's mental health consulting and publishing services, visit drpegradio.com. And now, here's your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Welcome back to another episode of Living Well with Dr. Peg, brought to you every week by our sponsor, SSI Guardian. We're coming to you from Denver, Colorado, and streaming around the world online and from your smartphone apps. And if you missed last week's episode or any episode of Living Well with Dr. Peg, be sure to go to drpegradio.com for the program archives. And also check out drpegradio.com for information about the show, my sponsor, and how you can take advantage of my mental health, wellness, and safety consulting services, workshops, and books. Now, as you look back over your year and consider where you are in your life, are, are you feeling stuck? Are you ready to make a change? If so, it's time for you to secure your spot in one of my upcoming Do Something Different for a Change personal transformation retreats. You can end 2016 and start 2017 by investing time in yourself to reflect on where you've been, determine where you want to go, and identify effective strategies to get you there. These full-day VIP private individual retreats and semi-private small group sessions are a luxurious time of refreshment, reflection, and concentrated strategic planning that will accelerate personal transformation and promote lasting change in your life so that, so that you can walk in freedom and purpose. Contact me today at drpegradio.com to reserve your spot in a Do Something Different for a Change personal transformation retreat. Well, we have a wonderful topic today and a great guest, and we're talking about um, self-centeredness and not being so self-centered. When was the last time someone held a door open for you? I've had so many doors slammed in my face. People don't even think to hold the door. They may see you with your hands full and not even think to stop and help. Or when's, when's the last time someone went out of their way to show you kindness or kindness to your family? When's the last time someone sacrificed their own comfort to make you more comfortable? Well, the sad truth is that we are living in a selfie-obsessed world where narcissism is becoming the norm. But thankfully, my guest on today's program has written a book that reminds us of the joy that comes from putting others first. And she offers practical, creative ideas for scattering kindness. Karen Eman is a New York Times bestselling author and writer and speaker for Proverbs 31 Ministries. And she's here today to talk about her brand new book, Listen, Love, Repeat, Other-Centered Living in a Self-Centered World. Karen Eman, thank you so much for being with us and welcome to the program. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be with you today. Yes, thank you for being other-centered <laughs> and sharing <laughs> your insights and wisdom. I just love the title of your book, Listen, Love, Repeat. <laughs> it really makes it uh, simple that we need to stop being so self-centered. And uh, this self-centeredness is reflected 
best, I think, by the cultural phenomenon that we call the selfie. And uh, reverse cameras on cell phones were invented just for this purpose. And uh, my observation is there are basically five categories of selfies that get shared on social media. There's the bathroom mirror selfie. There's the full-length mirror gym selfie. There's the here's what I'm eating right now selfie. Uh, There's the I'm backing out of my driveway and I noticed in my rearview mirror that I look pretty good on my way to work. So I think I'll take my own picture selfie. And then there's the hashtag my current situation selfie, which is usually a picture of someone's bare feet on a beach chair drinking a pina colada on vacation. Karen, what are some of your observations about our selfie obsessed world and and the narcissism narcissism um, that that we are seeing more and more today? Well, I often wonder, are we getting more self-centered in our culture, or is it just that we have more ways to document it Uh now because we have cell phones and stuff? You know, we all struggle with wanting to put ourselves first. It's kind of just in our nature to be Mm -hmm. that way. But I I think that our culture not only, you know, is full of people that are narcissistic, but just the whole online, Mm -hmm. social media, you know, this whole way of documenting our lives minute by minute, it's made it almost worse. Because, yeah, we've had the tendency to think of ourselves first. Obviously, we're born that way with a a me-first nature. But now it's a really cool and snappy and trendy thing (laughs) to put it all out there. So, you know, sometimes I wonder that. Is it really that we're more self-centered? Because I kind of feel like in a way it is. Mm -hmm. I feel like when I was growing up, you were taught to hold doors open to, mm-hmm. for people mm-hmm. and to say, no, after you, and to take the smallest piece of cake that's left, not the biggest. You know, mm-hmm. the things we used to get in trouble, Mama would say, don't you take that. You yeah. know, if company's over, you give them the big. But now I feel like, you know, with even different uh, hashtags, you know, um, YOLO, you only live once. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we kind of want to grab all the gusto, say, what's in it for me, and and in a subtle way, it's, it's shifted our thinking and it's shifted our mindset and our actions. And no longer is our life about being kind and putting others first and living a no-you-first lifestyle. It's a what's in it for me. Mm-hmm. Where's the next thing I can take a picture of myself in or, you know, take a picture of what I'm eating. Not that I'm against all of that. Mm-hmm. I've taken pictures of what I'm eating and, and occasionally I'll take a selfie, usually if someone else is in the picture with me. But we we just naturally think of what's in it for me rather than, hey, I'm here for you. How can I serve you? And we then document it because it's just kind of the way we roll now in society. Yeah, yeah. And so you wrote your book, Listen, Love, Repeat, I guess as kind of the antidote to, uh, to, to that uh, trend that we're seeing in our culture. Uh, why did you think it was important to actually write a book about it and also offer suggestions on how to become more other-centered? Well, the book's whole idea came about because this is the way I saw my mother live. My mother and I are extremely opposite when it comes to personalities. We couldn't be more different. She is very quiet and shy and reserved and hangs in the shadows. I'm kind of one of those out there, life of the party, yakking, never met a stranger. I like to talk. My, my husband always teases that should I go before he does, that he's already decided on my tombstone, He's just going to put a period because I'll finally be done talking <laughs> because I just, I just love to talk. So even though my mom and I have very different personalities, there's one thing I saw in her that I, I decided intentionally I want to be like that if I ever do grow up. And it's the way that she 
just went through life thinking about other people before herself. She's one of these people who continues to this day in her 80s to be on the lookout for that person who least expects to be seen and she notices them. She listens to people, really listens, and tucks away little pieces of information to later then use uh, maybe on their birthday or on a random day to do something special based on something she knows that they like. She just went through life thinking of other people first, and she also seemed to be one of the few people I, I knew who always seemed content no matter the circumstances, mm. even though when you looked at our lives, um, she and my brother and me, we didn't always have what I saw other people have. We were in a single parent home living on a budget so tight it squeaked. My mom suddenly found herself single and didn't have a driver's license, didn't have a car, didn't have anything other than a small little lunch lunchroom lady job at our school. But she pulled herself up by the bootstrap. She made it happen. She raised two kids by herself. And yet she never seemed discouraged. And I remember one time in middle school asking her when I was discouraged about you know, whatever middle school girls are upset about. Maybe I hadn't gotten invited to a slumber party or something mm -hmm. was getting me down. And I, I talked to my mom and I said, how come you're always so happy? Like, you're always just so happy. Don't you ever get down? And she said this. I'll never forget it. She said, Karen, whenever you feel like your life is not going well, circumstances making you sad, you need to tell yourself, and you remember this, there's always somebody out there who has it worse off than me. Mm -hmm. And then what you do is you go find that person and make their day. <laughs> and somehow when you do that, it makes your day as well. And you don't feel so down anymore. You realize it's not that bad. And I saw her live that way. And I tried to, to learn to live that way. And the reason I tried to live that way is not just because of the joy it brought the people she did these kind things for and the people she encouraged who were having a worse off time in life than her. It's because I did see it bring in, in a very strange way. It was like a boomerang <laughs> it came right back and it made her happy and content. And so I wanted, I wanted to live like that. Mm -hmm. Well, what a wonderful tribute to your mom and, and hi mom, if you're listening, you know, um, <laughs> psychologists um, have something called the do good, feel good hypothesis. And it really is, there's uh, evidence that, supports what your mom shared with you and passed on uh, to you, uh, that if we do good for other people, it does help elevate our mood and it, it does mm -hmm. help us feel happier. And, and, and there's research that supports that. But we know in all good psychology, it really is God's psychology. It's biblically based. And so when I ask you, you know, who inspired you, the answer is your mom. But um, it, this is what Jesus would do as well, mm -hmm. isn't it? Absolutely. I just love to think of how he always seemed to notice that person that least expected to be noticed. You know, he did the ultimate sacrifice in laying down his life for mm -hmm. our life. And, you know, I used to, to think about the scripture that says, you know, greater love has no man than this, but he laid down his life for another. And I would thought, oh, that means if, you know, you, Peg, and I were, were friends and we're out having coffee and we're crossing the street and a car careens around the corner and is about ready to hit you, I would lay down my life for you. But I kind of think, yeah, that applies. But I also think, you know, it's laying daily, just laying down our lives, our wants, our wishes, the things we want to do with our time, and, and laying it down for our friends, for others, and doing things for them as well. And to Jesus, I mean, think about how he noticed people that least expected to be seen. Mm. He could be on his way to do something grand. He was going to perform a miracle, heal somebody, multiply the loaves and fishes, whatever big thing it seemed like was on his agenda, 
he sometimes got interrupted by one simple person, and he would stop and he would notice them. And, mm. I, and I heard it said once, probably about 20 years ago, I wish I could remember what pastor said it, but I was listening on the radio to a pastor, and they said this, that often for Jesus, real ministry was the person he found standing right in front of him. Mm. It wasn't the big thing he was off about ready to do. It was the person he found standing in front of him. Mm -hmm. And so we can emulate that when we stop and we listen to that coworker who's standing in front of us, who we can tell is maybe not having the greatest day, or maybe it's that toddler in our home if we're a stay-at-home parent, you know, and they're wanting their juicy or their sippy cup filled with juice Mm -hmm. for the 20th time. That Who is standing in front of you? That's real ministry. That mm-hmm. that's what really matters. Amen. Amen. And um, really, just uh, having our eyes open. You talked about the hashtag Y O L O YOLO. You only live once. I actually learned from a law enforcement professional about a similar uh, acronym, BOLO. Be on the lookout. <laughs> and so, mm. wouldn't it be nice to change YOLO to BOLO? Be on the lookout that. for that person right in front of you. Um, and, mm-hmm. and, and laying down your life, um, making that sacrifice uh, to make their day. I love that. Uh, listeners, this is Karen Eman, the author of Listen, Love, Repeat. <laughs> and we're talking about becoming more other-centered in a self-centered world. Uh, so, Karen, really, practically speaking, how do we become more other-centered? You know, your mom talked about finding that person who's worse off than you and making their day um, but what are some strategies? You, you write in your book about something called a heart drop. How is that related? Yes, yeah, so a heart drop is actually a concept that my husband and I learned from our friend Michael, who was our small group leader many years ago. And it's kind of a way of listening between the lines mm-hmm. when someone's talking and hearing what they're saying without really saying it. Maybe you detect a little twinge of sadness in their voice or a little bit of apprehension when they're talking about something. And you can pick up on that heart drop, maybe ask them to elaborate, say, you know, I noticed a few minutes ago when you were talking about, you know, whatever it is, you seem to be a little, you know, upset about that, a little sad about that. Can you tell me more? So it can just be a simple conversation piece that we use to help people to really kind of open up. Or a heart drop can be maybe more outright, it's not really that you're listening between the lines, but they, they say something, they say a piece of information that you feel like is something God wants you to remember because it does give you a little peek into their heart. And it might be that they have medical testing, you know, some medical tests they're going to have to do with the doctor next Thursday. And you tuck that away, you record that however you need to, sticky note, write it in your planner, put it in the notes app on your phone, set an alarm, something, so that when next Thursday comes around, that morning you can text them or call them or send them an email and let them know that you, hey, I, rem- I remember you mentioned that you have some tests today. I just want to let you know I'll be praying for you. You know, tucking these little pieces of information away, even if it's something neutral. For example, you're with your friend at the coffee house, and they give their high-maintenance coffee order. Mm-hmm. When you got your, your phone, write it down. I do this all the time. Write it down in your notes app. And then later, when that friend maybe seems to be having a bad day or you think they could use a little pick-me-up, or maybe they're celebrating something joyful. You can show up with their high-maintenance coffee order. I did this for my friend Tammy not too long ago. Her, um, she has twin boys that she adopted. One has Down syndrome and um, one does not. And they are of the age to go to college. And so the, the one that does not have Down syndrome was going off to college. And I knew it was going to be a hard day for her. Those are her only two children. And she's super close to both of them. And I thought, oh, it's going to be a rough day for her. 
So I swung by her house with her high-maintenance coffee order. She's not as high-maintenance as me, Mm -hmm. but with her coffee order. And I knocked on her door, and I had um, tissues and a coffee, and I said, do you need a good cry because I'll cry with you? And she was was like, thank you so much. Mm -hmm. You're so sweet. Mm -hmm. How did you know my coffee order? Mm -hmm. And I said, because the last time you gave it, I wrote it down when I got back to the car. So it's super simple. It really doesn't take a lot of time, but it does take some intention on Mm -hmm. our part to listen and then to record, and then to respond. Right. So that's a good use we can um, put our cell phones to, and not Mm -hmm. just selfies, but we have notes apps, or you can put a reminder on your calendar. And by the way, my my coffee order is... um, uh, a so- vanilla soy latte, so uh, not too oh, high you, maintenance, not too complicated. No, you are low maintenance. You know you want to hear mine because it would take up too much time on the program. <laughs> so that's just a very practical tip to listen between the lines, uh, to, to listen for something that may be relevant down the road, uh, to make a note of, of important milestones or anniversaries or upcoming surgeries or anything of that nature. I think that's just wonderful, just practical to really notice others. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Well, talk a little bit about um, what you referred to as the one another scriptures in the Bible um, and how we can apply them to our everyday lives. You're giving us practical tips of what we can do, but when are some other circumstances that, that are relevant in these one another scriptures? You know, sometimes I think that we make Christianity so complicated, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying we shouldn't seek to understand deep theological truths and be, you know, doing very thorough studies of our Bible, we should be, absolutely. We can study this book until the day we die, and we'll, mm-hmm. we'll never have it all figured out or know and apply everything. But sometimes I really feel like when we really need a, a spark in our step spiritually, we need to dial it back a little bit and just be a one-verse-a-day person, mm. a simple, simple verse, and just seek to apply that verse. And, and the place I like to start is with, all of the things it says in the New Testament we are to do to one another, or we are not to do to one another. So there are so many. I, I actually in the, in the um, book have about 39 of them, and they can be as simple as love one another. It can be, you know, be devoted to one another, encourage one another, you know, don't grumble against one another. All of these short little things we're told to do, I mean, we read them, we know them, but it's an altogether different thing to actually apply them. So even when you think of a verse that might tell you to encourage one another, okay, you, we can we could stop First Thessalonians five eleven. Encourage one another, as build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. Encourage one another, build each other up. We can simply ask the Lord, hey, today, who needs to be encouraged? Who needs to be built up? Very very simple. And when we take these verses, and we, with all sincerity, ask the Lord. To help me to walk out this verse today. Give me an opportunity. Holy Spirit, tap me on the heart. When, when that, that person that needs to be encouraged, they need to be built up, show me who that is. I want to live out this verse. Just make it very, very simple. Mm-hmm. I love that because it we can get overwhelmed uh, trying to focus on too many things at once in any area of our lives. And I think it's, it's also true, as you pointed out, with Scripture and to be able to uh, just focus in on one of those one another scriptures any given day and um, look for those heart drops, listen for those heart drops and for those people who are in need. 
I want you to share um, a little bit about uh, a story you tell in your book about living nine doors down from a woman in your neighborhood um, and, and how these one another scriptures really come to life when you, when you have an experience like you did. We moved into a neighborhood, and we'd lived there just a couple years, and we'd try to get to know some people in our, in our neighborhood. We'd had a little open house at Christmas, and we were just, you know, starting to rub shoulders with people and enjoying it very much. And I often walk in my neighborhood, and so I walked several times. It was actually in the fall when this happened, and I'd gone by this house, it was just nine doors down from me, where there was a woman I hadn't met yet, and I would often see her outside, maybe working in her yard or rolling her trash can to the end of the, the driveway, and I would just kind of wave and keep walking because, you know, I had music on my iPod, and I had <laughs> things I was listening to and places to go and things to do, and I never really got to know her. And then one day, I was, ran up to the grocery store, and my 12-year-old son was home alone. And he was okay to stay alone. He's, you know, old enough and smart enough and all of that. But as I pulled back into my neighborhood, I saw that there were fire engines. I heard the sirens go off when I was at the grocery store. Mm. And I pulled into my neighborhood, and I saw these fire trucks and the, the, the lights blaring and stuff. And I thought, oh, no, what's happened? What's happened? I hope that Spencer hasn't, like, made a piece of toast and now burnt the house down or mm. something. But when I turned in, I saw that they were parked at my nine doors down neighbor and all the lights were off so it must have just been a false alarm like uh, maybe she she burned some toast and called the fire department and there was really no fire mm-hmm. and it wasn't until a few days later that I heard the awful news that it wasn't that it was a false alarm fire she actually had committed suicide mm-hmm. in her garage by starting her car and shutting all the doors And, of course, I can't beat myself up and feel guilty and that it's my fault, but it made me think how often I am so focused on myself and my, you know, Jesus praising music blaring in my iPod. i got things to do. I've got places to go. I'm trying to listen to my Jesus music, and I walk right by people and don't notice Mm -hmm. them. And so it just made me, me think, you know, I can't be the Savior of the world, but I do need to live like I was talking about a minute ago. Lord, tap me on the heart. If there's somebody that needs a little word of encouragement or get, you know, a little pick-me-up, a little um, building up and encouragement, and maybe if I'd handled things differently, I would have gotten to know her. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Who, Who knows? knows? We, we don't know. But it did really impact me mm-hmm. because there were several times, to, if I'm real, real gut, gut-wrenchingly honest, there were several times I did feel like, oh, I should stop and say hi and mm-hmm. ask her name, and I didn't. I yeah. walking. Well, and we can't beat ourselves up. I had a similar experience uh, with a coworker, um, he walked by my office every day. I was a college professor at the time, and he was a part-time instructor, so I didn't know him. But he walked past my office every day on the way to his office. And we always said, hello, good morning, so I could pat myself on the back for being a polite Christian. I was a new believer mm-hmm. at that time, uh, but I, I never took the time to get to know him. Well, one day I actually did stop him and said, hey, we pass each other every day. What's your name? And so we introduced ourselves, and, and he went on his way. Well, a couple days later, there was a lot of commotion down the hall, similar situation like you experienced. Uh, the paramedics were there. And they were working on him. He had had a heart attack in the office. And someone walking by saw him laying you know, on the ground. And as a new believer, I, I knew I should pray. And I really felt strongly drawn to lay hands on him. But I was still kind of insecure, 
you know, as a new as a new believer. And um, I just didn't have the courage to just step right in there and lay hands on him and pray. And so I just quietly prayed uh, by myself. Well, he did subsequently pass away. And Mm -hmm. I was distraught for days and days afterwards. And and when I brought it to the Lord, he he said, uh, you know, don't beat yourself up. But this is just a good reminder that when my Holy Spirit tells you to do something, especially concerning someone else, do it. And so it, it was just a great reminder, a painful reminder. Um, and you telling your story reminds me as well. And I hope the listeners will take heed as well. When the Holy Spirit says to speak, say hello, show kindness, we ought to be obedient. Mm-hmm. Well, thank wow. you, Karen. We're, we're going to take a break uh, to hear from our sponsor. And when we come back, Karen Eman will talk about the necessary people in our lives and how we can show them gratitude. Um, there are people that we interact with every day and they serve a purpose in our lives. And how much are we focusing on them instead of ourselves? Do we have our iPods in? Are we busy taking our selfies? Are our, our eyes open looking and listening for those heart drops? Um, I'm speaking with Karen Eman, author of Listen, Love, Repeat. Don't go away. We'll be right back. One needs to look no further than today's headlines to understand the threats facing American schools. They remain soft targets for violent threats, and yet our schools go largely underprepared. Our children deserve the highest level of education in the safest learning environment possible. The SSI Guardian QAL, or Quick Action Lockdown, is the fastest and safest way to lock down a classroom. This revolutionary device provides schools with maximum locking protection while meeting all safety, fire, and building codes. Designed by the leading lock experts in the world, the QAL is the only lock that meets Department of Homeland Security primer recommendations. SSI Guardian QAL now makes classroom lockdowns fast and safe with the red button. As a parent, you have every right to demand that your child is afforded the best classroom protection. Take action today by calling SSI Guardian at 877-878-5800 or go to guardianprotect.com. That's guardianprotect.com. With SRN News, I'm Ron Rockstrom. The man who fatally shot retired New Orleans Saints star Will Smith has told the jury he did so only after Smith struck him several times and grabbed a gun following a traffic accident. Prosecutors say Smith was unarmed. Cardell Hayes is charged with second-degree murder. The funeral for one of two Georgia police officers killed in the line of duty planned for tomorrow. America's police officer Nicholas Ryan Smarr was responding to a domestic dispute call Wednesday when he and Georgia Southwestern State University campus policeman Jody Smith were shot Services are pending for Smith. Former North Carolina Democratic U.S. Senator Kay Hagan, who represented uh, the state, has been hospitalized after falling seriously ill. The 63-year-old Hagan is being treated in an intensive care unit at a Washington, D.C. hospital. And President-elect Donald Trump met with ExxonMobil CEO Rex Tillerson for the second time this week, possible Secretary of State. This is SRN News. Rockies game, my brothers and I were walking back to our car when some people attacked my brother because of his jersey. I ran to help him and was pulling people away when a woman accused me of hitting her. Hi, I'm Christy. Someone called the police that day and I was arrested. I had never been in trouble before and found myself sitting in jail. It was scary. Plus, a conviction would hurt my professional license and career. I had a lot to lose, so I called criminal defense lawyer Terry O'Malley to defend me. His evaluation of my case and trial strategy proved invaluable. 
Terry's 20 years of experience gave him insight into the district attorney's goals and the court process. He was able to predict the next steps of the DA. Terry prepared the case thoroughly and it was eventually dismissed. To protect your record and career, I recommend you call Terry O'Malley if the police contact you. You need someone you can trust. Call Terry at 303-830-0880 if you or your family are contacted by the police. That's 303-830-0880. Hi, this is Willie Dan with Stanford Funding. The election is over, thank goodness. Unfortunately, rates have been on the move upward ever since the election ended. So if you were on the fence and wanted to buy a house or refi your home, now is the time before rates get away from us. Call Stanford Funding now at 303-458-8200. You can still get 15-year rates in the low threes and 30-year rates in the upper threes. So don't wait. These rates may not be here for long. As rates have moved up quickly in the last month. So call Stanford Funding now. So we can have your pre-approval to you in less than 24 hours. So call Stanford Funding at 303 303- 458-8200 or apply online at stanfordfunding.com. Lastly, exciting news. Stanford Funding has just rolled out a new 1% down payment program for individuals with credit scores of 700 or higher. This new purchase money loan will allow you to get a really low rate and keep your money in your pocket. So call Stanford Funding now at 303-458-8200 or apply online at stanfordfunding.com. NMLS 306-720. Credit score 660. Loan to value 90%. Licensed by the Division of Real Estate. To learn more about living well with Dr. Peg, visit drpegradio.com. And now, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. I'm here with Karen Eman, author of Listen, Love, Repeat, and writer and speaker for Proverbs 31 Ministry. Thanks again, Karen, for being with us today. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. And listeners, um, Karen's book is called Listen, Love, Repeat. And uh, Karen, how can people get a hold of your book? They can go either to my website, which is KarenEman.com. And my last name is spelled E-H and then man, E-H-M-A-N. Can you spell my own name? KarenEman.com. Or we also have a website specifically for the book where they can get all kinds of information and grab a bunch of lovely shareable graphics we're giving them there for free for their social media and it's called listen love repeat book.com excellent and listeners you can go to my website drpegradio.com for links to karen's website and to the listen love repeat book website as well so karen we were talking about um just ways to really be alert living alert and listening for those heart drops and being that you available for one another uh, whether we know people or they're strangers or neighbors um, but you write in your book about the necessary people in our lives uh, who are those people and what can we do to show them our gratitude necessary people the people that we call that around our house those are those people who help you get life done they bring you your mail they bring you your packages they make your your high maintenance coffee <laughs> at the, at the, <laughs> the at soy the vanilla coffee. latte for anyone yeah, listening. <laughs> yeah. And they, they bag your groceries, they clean your teeth, they teach your children. All of these people are necessary to help us get life done. And do we think of those people at Christmas time? Sure. We might give them a little gift, uh, maybe a gift card somewhere, or bake them some banana bread or church window cookies, which is how I roll at my house. That's my favorite cookie around here. So we might remember them at Christmas, but how often do we just think to stop on a random day 
and either verbally say thank you so much for how you do your job and for doing it faithfully for our family all year long, or maybe to do a little something for them. I know we've done all kinds of things in our family. We've left plates of brownies covered in saran wrap, of course, out for the garbage men before that um, the garbage collectors that go by our house when my kids were little. We had this awesome guy who was one of the garbage collectors and he hung off the back of that truck and he had iPod on and he would dance around and <laughs> pick that. I mean, he left his job and he was so good at it and he always waved at my kids and patted them on the head. So we left out brownies for him one day and said, you rock at your job. <laughs> you are awesome. How often do we just take a little time to either verbally thank our necessary people or do something, just a little something kind. I mean, it can be as, as easy as leaving ice cold um, soda pop or ice cold water in your mailbox on a hot summer day for your, your mail carrier. I mean, just any little thing to tell them thank you for mm-hmm. faithfully serving me and my family all year long. Yes, and we and like you said, we don't have to wait for Christmas um, in the holiday season, although that's nice as well because uh, there's 364 other days that that people around us are, are doing their jobs and doing it with a smile on their face and making our lives a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah. Well, what about those who are hurting and suffering, especially during the holiday season? I did an, a program a couple weeks ago about that very topic of um, people who have lost loved ones, for example, uh, whether it, they lost them you know, right before the holidays or it's just a painful time every year because... Uh, their absence is felt even more pronounced, um, or people maybe who've lost a job, they've been laid off. Um, what are some suggestions you offer in your book, Listen, Love, Repeat, about comforting hurting people? Holidays can be really rough. You know, we walk through those stores and hear the the loudspeakers blaring, it's the most wonderful time of the year, but mm-hmm. for some people it's not. <laughs> it's horrible. I I especially saw this come to light when my friend Julie passed away several years ago. She was a mom of eight children, and she passed away on Christmas Eve Eve. Mm. And I remember having to run out the next day to get a few last-minute things for our extended family get-together. And I was in the grocery store, and that song came on, and I wanted to just scream Mm. and say to everybody, it is not (laughs) the most wonderful time of the year. How can you people keep going on and doing everything that you need to do. I was buying stuff to make cheesy potatoes. I specifically remember it. And I wanted everybody to just cancel the holiday mm. because these eight children were going to be without their mother. And that was when it really hit home for me, how hard the holidays can be. Because that wasn't a family member of mine that died. It was a close friend. Mm-hmm. And I know how much I was impacted by it. I thought, my goodness, people that actually lose a spouse or a child or a parent, how much they feel. And so... I've tried to come up with some some simple ways to do things for people, even if it's just remembering. Mm-hmm. Like we we don't we don't realize just how pausing and remembering can really impact someone. And so maybe you just call them and say, you know what, you popped in my mind today, and I wanted to call you. How you doing? You know, and must know it must be kind of a hard time of year because you know whoever their loved one is won't won't be with you this Christmas. And I just I don't know what to say. I just, I just knew I wanted you to hear my voice. I don't know what to say, but 
but I want you to know that I love you and I care for you. Is there anything I can do? Can I pray with you? I mean, just a, a simple phone call. Mm-hmm. We, it might pop in our mind that we should do that, but we think, well, it's just, I mean, I don't know. It's just a phone call. It's not that important. Or maybe we're a little, feel like a little awkward because we don't know what to say. So I just started out with saying, you know what? I normally am not out of words. I love to talk. I can do, yeah, an hour with no topic. But right now, I, you know, when I call my friend, I'll say, I, you know, right now I just, I don't even know what to say. I just knew you were on my heart and I wanted to call and say, I'm so sorry and I'm praying for you. Mm-hmm. It can be that simple. And then other times our families pulled off things a little more elaborate. We have a really close friend who um, actually was left um, by his spouse all alone with his five children. Mm. Um, and so he suddenly found himself raising five children. And it was right before the holidays, and he'd moved them all into um, a tiny little rented house, and he was trying to figure this thing out. Like, how am I going to be, you know, both dad and mom and get this all done? It was a very, very distressing time for him. And there were a lot of us in his circle of friends who were concerned. And I started counting in my head, thinking, oh, I know the so-and-so family is concerned, and so-and-so, the single guy at church, he's concerned. And I was adding going, I think there's at least 11 other families or individuals as concerned as I am. I'm going to pull off an anonymous 12 days of Christmas for this family. (laughs) And so I gathered through email all of these families, and we assigned everybody a day. And uh, and we started on, we made it go up to Christmas Eve, Mm. and it stopped on Christmas Eve. And so every day something got anonymously left on their front porch. It could have been a basket full of homemade um, goodies and little toys for all of the kids to open with their names on it. It could be something simple, just like a gift certificate for them to all go out for, for pizza that night or whatever, but it, it, he never knew who did it. He later figured out who organized it, and and he caught me. But I never told him who the rest of the families were. We did it completely anonymously for 12 days in a row. He said his children could hardly <laughs> sleep every night Aww. because they – it kept showing up, and it would say, happy first day of Christmas, and then happy second day of Christmas. And it was all different things people loved on that family, whatever way was natural to them. Like I said, some people did homemade things. Some people did real expensive things. Some people just did simple handwritten cards to all the kids, and they each got their own you know, very, very small gift card to McDonald's or wherever, a drive through so that whenever they wanted the little treat, they could drive through. It was different every day, but every single day they felt excitement during a time that was really sad for them Mm -hmm. it was really sad and so that's a little bit more of an elaborate one you can do all things in between but just to simply stop and remember and acknowledge that you feel their pain you're so sorry and you love them and you're praying for them Mm -hmm. so from the simple to the elaborate but the point is to do something and that Mm -hmm. would could be again something that you mark on your calendar set yourself Mm -hmm. a reminder if you know that uh, someone in your life has lost uh, someone or there's a milestone coming up around the holidays or just that it would be a reminder of that loss to, to, to make an intention to reach out to that person in a small way or yeah. an elaborate way. Now, yeah. some of those same strategies work when we're, when we're um, dealing with uh, other people as well. They're, they're really are hurting people all around us if we, we'll see them if we're living alert. And so talk about um, reaching out in particular to lonely people 
um, whether it's during the holidays or just any time of the year, and those who may feel unloved. Again, I think sometimes we don't know what to say. Maybe someone's on our heart. We know they're lonely, especially at the holidays, but we just, oh, we don't know what to do. We don't have an idea. Well, it doesn't need to be something elaborate. I find that when you can just simply and naturally fold someone who's lonely into your family, your ordinary, whatever it looks like in your Mm -hmm. house, however your kids behave, family, especially at the holidays, it can be such a blessing, especially when you think of maybe those who are shut in or who are elderly, um, maybe they live alone. We have so much going on during the holiday season, especially if you're in the stage of life where maybe you have kids that are in pageants and and there's all kinds of things going on at church and activities and such. You can naturally just fold someone in your family. You know what? Some lonely widow that you know from church or in your neighborhood or some other way, they might absolutely love going and watching your mm-hmm. Christmas pageant at mm-hmm. church and seeing a bunch of kids sing Silent Night off-key. <laughs> so, you know, you might think, oh, we got to get through this another pageant. we got so much to do. I'm trying to make the angel costume. It's, it's stressful for you. It could be delightful for them. So invite them. Mm-hmm. Have them come to your pageant and then back to your house to have, you know, cookies and hot cocoa yes. or whatever. Just naturally folding them into your ordinary day, your ordinary Holiday season can be so encouraging. Or think of the reverse, someone who's lonely or living alone or or struggling. They might have a hard time getting Christmas done. They've got a tree to decorate. They've got lights to hang. They've got Christmas cards to address. Well, why don't you and, you know, whoever in your family can go with you, go to their house and help lighten their load to help them get whatever it is for them they need to get done for Christmas. You can help them bake cookies or wrap their presents, whatever. Just show up, you know, mm-hmm. and say, hey, can we help you with something? Or, or plan it ahead of time, you know, with a phone call. Is, can we come over Saturday afternoon? We'd love to help you do whatever it is you need to have done. Do you need your tree decorated? Do you need us to take you shopping? Do you need to have us help you wrap presents? Whatever it is that they're wishing they could get done but they're feeling a little overwhelmed, show up and help them. Show up and, and just do it. Thanks so much. We'll have more great advice when we come back from Karen Eman. Don't go away. Schools can no longer afford not to invest in a professional evidence-based advanced safety education training program. It's the single most important decision and investment a school administrator will ever make in their professional career. When all else fails, training and preparation are the only things that will increase your chances of survival in a violent incident such as an active shooter or act of terrorism. SSI Guardian has set the new standard in advanced safety education by providing evidence-based advanced training programs tailored to your needs. While there are many basic training programs largely based on opinion and emotion. SSI Guardian is the only advanced training program of its type with an accredited continuing education unit or CEU issued by an accredited university. SSI Guardian has set the new standard in advanced safety education by providing evidence-based advanced training and solutions to learning institutions, faith-based and professional organizations. To learn more, call SSI Guardian today at 877-878-5800 or visit guardianprotect.com. To learn more about living well with Dr. Peg, visit drpegradio.com. And now, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark.
helpful listeners as you look back over your year and consider where you are in your life. If you're feeling stuck and ready to make a change, reach out at drpegradio.com to secure your spot in one of my upcoming Do Something Different for Change personal transformation retreats. Well, we're, we're speaking with Karen Eman, New York Times bestselling author and minister with Proverbs 31 Ministry. Uh, Karen has written a book, a wonderful, delightful book called Listen, Love, Repeat. I think it would make a wonderful gift uh, any time of the year and certainly during the holiday season. Uh, so, Karen, uh, let's let's continue talking about um, people who are uh, maybe um, alone during the holidays, people maybe who have suffered a loss. Uh, you also write in your book about the cranky and the cantankerous, and I just love that word, my my mom used to use that word <laughs> that people oh. were being cantankerous. What exactly does cranky and cantankerous look like? And as you say in your book, how do we hug a porcupine and squeeze a skunk? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's easy to love those who are easy to love. Mm-hmm. And people we like to rub shoulders with, it's, it's a relatively simple thing to be kind to them, but it's an altogether different story to love those people with whom we don't like rubbing shoulders and we actually butt heads sometimes and so when I talk in the book about hugging a porcupine and squeezing a skunk I kind of put two categories of people there the porcupine is that person they're just a little prickly they're hard to love because they they don't really want your hug (laughs) They, they keep you at an arm's length and they're difficult to get to know and difficult to reach out to and that skunk their behavior sometimes stinks it might be you know the grumpy neighbor next door who who hollers every time your your kid's football accidentally goes in his yard. Not that that's ever happened to anyone I know. But, you know, maybe it's that coworker that's a little combative with you or that extended family member who, you know, I don't know, they they just don't seem to like you. And it's hard to be around them. And and maybe you you know in your heart that you should be, doing things to that are kind to them and interacting with them in a in a pleasant manner but oh it's just so hard you know i think about we were talking about the one another's of scripture i think about all these things we're told to do love one another encourage one another be kind to one another forgive one another i don't see any of those verses and believe me i've looked i don't see any of those verses then having a dot 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 that says unless you really don't like the person <laughs> unless they rub you the wrong way then none of these apply all of these things in Scripture apply. We are to be kind and loving and respectful to people just because they're people. And so we need to remember that when we're interacting with them. And sometimes I know it's hard. Porcupines and skunks can be really hard. Mm-hmm. And we have to remember we're not going to have to answer for their behavior, but we will be held accountable for how we respond when they have bad behavior toward, toward us. So I've actually intentionally sometimes baked bread for that grumpy neighbor Mm. (laughs) even though I was a little afraid because he doesn't like anybody walking in his yard so I made sure it was when his wife was home so I knew he wouldn't chase me with a shovel because he actually (laughs) chased people in her neighborhood with a shovel and I I took bread over there one time and his wife and and he both answered the door he still didn't smile he's still kind of grumpy but you know what I did what I felt like I was supposed Mm -hmm. to do so we need to still be respectful and, and kind when we interact with these people and not expect any change in behavior from them. Just just assume they're going to be like that the rest of their mm-hmm. life. Maybe not. Maybe your kind behavior will help soften their heart. 
but we're not doing it to show a result in the change of their behavior. We're doing it out of obedience to Christ because we're supposed to treat everyone with respect and honor and kindness. Amen. And that's such a good point. It's really not, um, and it, it's just like asking for forgiveness. It's not, it doesn't matter if they forgive us or not. You know, we're asking for the forgiveness and, and um, owning what we've done that was wrong because it's the right thing to do. And same here. So that's, that's a good reminder. Well, you write in your book about um, the importance of understanding the difference between the weak and the wicked. Uh, say more about that and how it, how it fits in with our topic of, uh, of um, being more other-centered in a self-centered world. Well, you know, there's so much in Scripture, especially in Proverbs. Sometimes, um, you know, it talks about people who are actually, you know, bent on evil. They're actually, you know, not just someone who's weak and maybe who is is struggling with someone um, who maybe, you know, they have some behavior that makes them a little bit weak. They might have an understandable cause. Maybe they have mental illness, for example, or a personality disorder, or they've been abused in the past or they're just going through something difficult and and they're just kind of in a place in life where they need a little extra TLC because they're they're weak they're weary but there's also people who are wicked you know who are bent on evil maybe they demonstrate um, toward you that they're they're not exhibiting the the best behavior and we're still supposed to love those people, but sometimes we do need to be guarded. We need to make sure that we've got some some boundaries in place that we don't further enable them to behave in an evil manner toward us or toward another person. Um, I remember one time my, my friend Kathy telling me, as I was lamenting to her about someone in my life, that I just really felt like did fall into the category of wicked. They just never seemed to be able to interact um, with me in a way that was kind and pleasant, and they were just very combative, very critical. I just would always leave an encounter with this person in tears, in tears. And I was talking to her, and she said, you know what, if you walked into a room, or if every time you walked into a room, this certain person slapped you across the <laughs> face, pretty soon you would think, I better not walk in the room anymore. Well, they're emotionally slapping you across the face. You need to quit walking into the room. So one thing that I learned was there are times that we need to leave the premises, but it doesn't mean we're leaving the relationship. Mm-hmm. We can tell that person, I still love you. You're still my whatever, my friend, my neighbor, my <laughs> my relative, whatever. We still have a relationship, and I love you, but I'm leaving the, the premises. Not leaving the relationship, but I'm leaving the premises until you can behave in a civil manner to me. I just cannot interact with you. And I've just in one case in my life, have had to do that, and after a few years, that person learned to treat me respectfully, and now we're fine. Mm-hmm. We, we are spending time together, and everything's very different. Yeah, it's really all about boundaries and speaking the truth in love. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you write about what you call a three-step plan for life. It's really based on Matthew 22. Talk about that and, and how that kind of fits in with everything we've been um, discussing today from your book, Listen, Love, Repeat. Um, in Matthew 22... Um, Jesus says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your mind. It's the first and greatest commandment. And the second like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And that everything, everything hangs on those two commandments. So, it, again, it's one of these places where we make Scripture so difficult sometimes. It's just really a three-step process. Mm-hmm. Love God, 
love others, love yourself. It's all about relationships. Mm-hmm. That that vertical relationship with God and that horizontal relationship with, with other people. And when Jesus says to love our neighbors as ourselves, you know, we, we think about ourselves. We make sure we have enough to eat. We have clothes to wear. We're sheltered. That we, we seek to have self-respect and significance. And we need to make sure that we are trying to have those things in the life of others as well. It's kind of a hard balance to strike sometimes. We need to always put God first and, of course, think of others before ourselves. But we also, you know, we care about ourselves and, and our mental and emotional health. So it's kind of all intertwined. It's like it's like a circle. Mm-hmm. Um, and the more we love God, the more we're going to want to exhibit love to others. And the more, you know, in doing that, we're loving ourselves because we're behaving in the way that Christ asked us mm-hmm. to. Amen. Amen. You know, my dad had a saying uh, when I was growing up. He, he used to say, kindness doesn't cost you a thing, but it could win you the world. Uh, mm-hmm. What does kindness look like? You, you use the, the, the expression uh, scattering kindness and sprinkling love. Uh, what does that look like? It, it is, again, just being attentive to the Holy Spirit when you are supposed to share some words of affirmation or you're supposed to do something creative for someone. Just being that bright light, behaving mm. differently. You know, the, the default in our culture, especially in this day and age of social media, is to be snarky mm. and to sling our unsolicited opinions out there on comment threads and Facebook pages and stuff. Be that bright light who is different, who seeks to notice that person, who least expects to be seen, who seeks to say positive things only and keep the rest to yourself and, and to your, your prayers to the Lord about difficulties that you have. Just keep it on the up and up, on the, the positive side, uh, and determine, I, you know what, I'm not going to add to this mess that we have right now in our society. I'm going to be different. I'm going to be kind, mm-hmm. loving, and respectful. Amen. Amen. Well, Karen, uh, your book is called Listen, Love, Repeat, Other-Centered Living in a Self-Centered World. And um, listeners, you can go to Karen's website, Karen Eman dot com or listen love repeat book dot com for more information about the book to purchase the book to learn more about uh, Karen's ministry Um, this is just such a blessing Karen it it really um, caused me to reflect on my life and and where I am uh, in terms of um, being other centered Uh, so Karen Eman thank you so much uh, for your wisdom and creativity and for being with us today thanks so much for having me it's just awesome. Uh, listeners, uh, if you're ready to experience the lasting change that you need and desire in your life, you can accelerate the process in one of my Do Something Different for Change personal transformation retreats. You'll spend an entire day focusing on your goals and how to transform your life and walk in freedom and purpose. And if you want to be pampered in a private individual VIP setting or in a semi-private small group setting with other individuals motivated for change, Reserve your spot now at drpegradio.com. Again, my guest has been Karen Eman, the author of Listen, Love, Repeat. And I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, reminding you to live well. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Living Well with Dr. Peg. Living Well with Dr. Peg is brought to you by SSI Guardian, who has set the new standard in advanced safety education. 
If you'd like to learn more about the show, our sponsor, or mental health consulting and publishing services, visit www.drpegradio.com. Remember to join us every Saturday at 1 p.m. on 94.7 KRKS-FM for Living Well with Dr. Peg.